The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. This is Dave Allison, your host for today, and I'm really excited about the podcast. We have Walter Young, who is a wealth strategist with Pacific Capital Resource Group in Seattle, Washington. He's also a mastermind member of Clarity to Prosperity and somebody that I have a ton of respect for in the industry. I've had the opportunity to continue to learn a lot from Walter over the last year to year and a half since I had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, Walter came out to our office in Cleveland after meeting Jason Smith at the Forum 400. And immediately I just loved the style and the, uh, the, the analytical side of, of kind of explaining concepts to clients. And, and what really stood out to me about uh, Walter when I first met him is, you know, he's got a background obviously in the financial services, but also spent some time at Deloitte Consulting. And during his tenure at Deloitte, he began to see the financial strategies implemented by some of the best run corporations and had a heavy emphasis in reducing overall risk and opportunity cost while maximizing cash flow for shareholder value. And so he immediately started drawing parallels between an individual household and those corporations and how they can really apply some of those, those same strategies. And so um, again, Walter has uh, uh, shared with me and, and done some, uh, you wrote a book, right, Walter, on, on this? In the, in the process of, yes. In the process of, I knew, I didn't know if it was finalized yet, but looking forward to seeing it. But one of the questions he asks everyone is, if you were a business, would you invest in you? And I think that's a great segue into some of the topics that we're going to talk about today. But we've shared in prior podcasts kind of that are, that are really around this current environment we're all in, that a lot of us are, are stuck at home with the coronavirus pandemic, looking for uh, ways that we can continue to operate our business in an offensive manner as well as defense. But, but one of the ways that we can operate in an offensive manner is going back to our existing clients and prospects and sharing strategies with them that maybe we just haven't spoke to them about in the past. And I can't think of anyone better to share some of the strategies around potentially using whole life insurance, especially in today's low interest rate environment as an alternative for some of the money that our clients might have in their now bucket, their soon bucket, and even their later bucket than Walter, because he is one of the top life producers in the country, uh, again, has a lot of great resources, kind of breaking it all down to actuarial science. And so, Walter, thank you so much for joining, uh, joining me today, joining all of our listeners, and sharing some insight that you have on using whole life as, uh, as an asset class alternative in today's low interest rate environment. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and honor to be on this with you. 
great. So let's uh, let's kick it off for all of our listeners. Um, Jason and I uh, were brainstorming a couple weeks ago on you know all these opportunities that we have with existing clients because we know cash flow is taking a hit right now for most advisory firms. Walter, you and I were just chatting. You know, I know you do a lot of consumer workshops, and uh, it's hard to do them when all the restaurants are closed, the venues are closed, and people can't get out of their home and travel to go see it. But there's still a ton of opportunity through you know webinars virtual meetings and all the things that we're talking about at Clarity to Prosperity. And so one of those opportunities in cross-selling is starting to introduce life insurance if you haven't already. And we're going to be doing subsequent podcasts on, you know, life insurance for legacy planning, life insurance for uh, long-term care planning. But today we wanted to specifically talk about really the accumulation portion of life insurance and all the different benefits our clients could have if they had cash value life insurance inside of their bucket plan. And so I think to, to kind of set the stage for this, let's focus on each bucket individually and talk about some ideas, concepts, and even cases maybe that you've placed or that I've placed using life insurance and the cash value component of life insurance in the bucket plan. So quite naturally, the now bucket is the first place to start. And I always have a funny story I share on uh, life insurance in the now bucket. Many of the uh, the listeners know two pretty iconic life insurance producers in our industry. Uh, one of them being Van Mueller, and the other one being John Wheeler. And John and Van were actually both attending a mastermind collegium of ours in St. Petersburg, Florida, about four years ago. I think it was now, maybe five years ago. It was a while back. And after the meeting, the three of us were sitting on the front patio of the hotel. They were waiting to depart for their transportation to the airport, and we were having a beer. And we were just talking about uh, financial planning in general and using uh, permanent cash value life insurance, whole life in this case, within the financial plan. And I think, I can't remember if it was Van or John, but they looked over and they said, well, tell me about even your now bucket, Dave you know, what do you have in your now bucket? And I was like, well, my now bucket is just cash down at the bank in my checking account. And they were like, well, how much do you have? And I was like, I think about $80,000. And I had that much because I, you know, we had some things going on in the business where uh, I might need to make an injection into the business like so many business owners do, right? You keep more money in your now bucket because at any time you might need it for payroll or, or whatever the case was. And I remember Van sits back in his chair, looks at me, and he goes, 80 grand? What are you, a grandma? And I like started laughing, and I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, why would you keep 80 grand in your now bucket? And I explained to them, well, what if I need it for my business? And he was like, what's the bank paying you on that 80 grand? And I said, the bank's not paying me any interest. And he was like, exactly. So why would you leave it there? Why wouldn't you take part of that 80 grand and reposition it into a whole life contract where now, God forbid, you were to pass away, your wife and your, your wife has the money to keep the business going or settle all of your affairs. And assuming you don't pass away, at least you're earning a much more favorable interest rate. And I never really thought about it as a now bucket alternative. But Walter, guess what I did two days later? I went and bought a whole life insurance policy (laughs) and started repositioning now bucket money into there. And five years later, I still have that same amount of cash in my now bucket. But guess what I am earning? Was it still my 0% interest rate at the bank? 
right? Significantly higher rates of return at this point. Significantly higher. And God forbid I were to pass away prematurely, do you think my business would be taken care of with all the funding that it needed? That's exactly right. Yeah. You'll have the death benefit for your spouse, but the liquidity for you and your business needs, which is important to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that that's valid, even if somebody's not a business owner, any now bucket money. Walter, talk a little bit about kind of, you know, the mechanics of that, the conversation, how to approach clients, and, and just some of the pieces of how this could come together for the listeners. Yeah. So as it regards to the now bucket, what we're really talking about is having a bucket of liquidity that, as you mentioned, can earn something better than banks or CDs or cash, but still has a return that's respectable. And so we, when we use a, a properly structured uh, whole life insurance policy, we actually can put a lot of extra money into a policy that can build a cash value and build that rate of return. What some people don't understand is that we can leverage those dollars, meaning that if I need those dollars, I can certainly borrow that money out from the life insurance policy for everyday use, whether it's you know to, to buy a, a car, whether it's to pay for college, whether it's to pay maybe an unexpected bill, or maybe even in today's world where it's, you could take advantage of maybe some of the dips in the market. So I know a lot of my clients right now have cash values and they're looking to deploy those into depressed markets. And so what's nice about that is even though I borrow out the money from the policy to maybe either make a, you know, purchase something in the marketplace or pay for a bill, it's still potentially earning its dividend in the background. And so it's one of the only few vehicles out there where I have this natural ability to continuously earn a dividend on money that's in the policy because I'm borrowing money from the insurance company. And therefore, the, the, I may be in a situation where even though I have a loan against what I borrow, the overall account may still be growing because of the dividends that occur. And so it really acts like a function like a home equity line of credit to some degree. The difference is that if I don't pay my loan payment back in a timely manner to my life insurance policy, nobody's knocking on my door trying to take it away from me. Or if I do that with a home equity line of credit or any other debt instrument, I know that if I make that bar, if I make that loan and borrow money and don't pay it back, I'm going to expect a nasty phone call or somebody at my door. And so it gives me a lot more flexibility in terms of how I can, I can borrow my own dollars back instead of having to go to the banks. The other part that's interesting, David, is, is that if I want to borrow money from my home equity line of credit or start one, I have to go through an elaborate bar, uh, application process that can be very troubling. And sometimes, as we all know, when I need the money is exactly when the bank won't give it to me. And so if I have, if I've built that money up in a life insurance policy, it's a phone call, or as you mentioned, a potential button on my application and, and within two to four days later, money's at my doorstep, no questions asked. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, Walter, you know, in today's environment uh, with, with some of the bigger reputable whole life companies, I know you represent and I represent, what, you know, what would somebody kind of anticipate as that, that interest or dividend rate um, you know, what, what, what do you explain to clients that, you know, kind of the expected uh, crediting is um, just kind of a ballpark range so our yeah, listeners think, can get, a, get think, an idea? I think we could look at if we're, if we're making contributions above just the base premium of the whole life insurance policy, we can expect, you know, two to four uh, percent returns over time on a tax-free basis. So, you know, certainly better than, you know, a municipal bond fund, certainly better than any of the government in, uh, rates that we're earning today. And that's largely because life insurance policy or companies are able to invest with longer horizons and get better, uh, better returns on some of the investments and bonds that they're making. And they can pass that to us in the form of dividends and guaranteed rates of return. 
So it's very competitive with any kind of fixed, uh, fixed in, uh, income po uh, options out there. Uh, and so I think, you know, over, especially as, as the policies begin to mature and, and percolate over time, you know, three, four, five percent over the long run certainly has not been out of the, out of the question in, in previous policies. Okay, so three, you know, two to four percent, like that range, very much in line. You know, I'm thinking of clients that are even in their, you know, 60s, let's say, uh, and they have money that's sitting in a CD at the bank. So they've got their $150,000 CD. It's renewing at one percent or less right now. Of course, if they were to pass away, uh, their beneficiary only gets the account value, so there's no additional benefit there. Is there still an opportunity to reposition into a good, strong whole life contract, you know, for that CD money that's in the bank right now and clients are getting frustrated at what rates are renewing, even if the client's in their 60s or, you know, stops becoming competitive from uh, the, the accumulation side? Yeah, I think 60 is right about that threshold. 60, 62 is when things, you know, we obviously people aren't as healthy as they once were. But if we're structuring this for, uh, you know, to, to focus on the cash development of it, then we're not buying as much life insurance as we possibly can. We're actually trying to get as much cash value as we possibly can. And that's a big difference in terms of how the, port, port, the, port, uh, the policy will perform over time. So, you know, uh, we know I have lots of 60-year-olds, 55, 60-year-olds who are maybe five to 10 years out from retirement where we're really repositioning 401k contributions uh, from their you know, from their employers into the, the whole life policies to begin to build that cash position, partly because it also builds a tax free uh, a tax free source of income down the road, where some of these clients can't take advantage of Roth IRAs. We're really using the the life insurance policy as a substitute for the Roth accumulation, because we know that they may have built up a nice nest egg in the 401k, and that next contribution when you're 55 or 60 years old is really meaningless to the overall value of the 401k. And so it may make sense to begin to build a different position, which is a tax-free cash value buildup. They could also be you know, part of the overall portfolio. It could certainly be a percentage of the bond portfolio that you may have in your overall allocation uh, as, as, you know, as the portfolio exists. So a lot of us, may, we may be repositioning some of the bond piece into the cash value side because we do get that death benefit that we don't currently have. And we also get that liquidity that's harder to do, right? So if I have a, a similar return from bonds that I have my life insurance as a bond portfolio, the difference is that I can actually use, I could take money in and out of that life insurance policy that I couldn't be taken out of on the bond portfolio. That's great. And, and you kind of alluded to a later bucket and even could be a soon bucket strategy we'll talk about in just a minute. But um, share with me a little bit of the mechanics. So liquidity is, is a big kind of you know, reason that maybe some people shy away from this, not quite understanding how the whole loan component works of a life insurance policy. And so walk me through a little bit of, of what that looks like when clients do need to access the money, how it's accessed, how they're still getting crediting, the difference of kind of direct recognition versus non-direct recognition, and uh, just kind of what your experience has been with clients when they go to actually take that loan from the policy in the right yeah, that's way? It's a, a great question. So, and, and it could be, we have to be very clear and precise with terminology when we talk with our clients about how loans work. The first thing we have to understand is that when we put money into a life insurance policy, it goes into the general account and is invested and we return and we get dividends uh, and returns based on that. And that's what's credited into our cash value. 
When I go to take a loan out of a life insurance policy, I am technically pledging the cash value that I have in my policy as collateral against a loan to the insurance company. So I'm actually borrowing money from the insurance company, not really out of my own personal account. The insurance company then will charge an interest rate, maybe it's four and a half or 5% in today's world, for the funds that I'm borrowing because I'm technically taking money out of the general account and the insurance company is no longer earning a return on those dollars. So in order to protect the rest of the base of people in, that have policies, they need to charge an interest rate. So that interest rate is on the dollars that I borrow. What you brought up was very interesting, which is the difference between a non-direct and direct recognition. On a non-direct recognition company, the big difference is that I will still earn the dividends on my full cash value as if I never took the dollars out. So companies like Mass Mutual, for example, I borrow out $100,000 my cash value, they'll charge me four and a half, five 5% interest, but they will also still credit me with the dividend earnings on my full portfolio of the, of the life insurance cash value. What that means is at the end of the year, it could be that if I, if I have enough cash value that I may earn more dividends than the cost of the loan itself, in which case my portfolio, my cash value continues to increase. So as we use these policy loans, we do need to be thoughtful that while I'm younger, the intention is to pay them back, right? Because we wanna have the cash value ready to go when I get to retirement for future retirement strategies that we'll talk about in a little bit. As I get older, we could take policy loans out and if I don't wanna pay them back, then it will just continue to accrue at that 5% level and at the end of the day, it will net out against the death benefit when I pass away if I haven't paid them back. On the direct recognition side of things, companies like Penn Mutual, for example, what they will do is they will, when you take out a loan, they will reduce the dividend on the, on the component that you take out of the policy, but still leave the rest of the money you didn't borrow at the normal dividend rate. So we will see a reduction in the dividend uh, when you have a, uh, a direct recognition company. The philosophy there is that they don't want, that they, they feel they'll offer a larger dividend in general to the folks uh, over time, and they will only quote unquote penalize those individual policyholders that are taking loans, not the entire pool by reducing the entire dividend for everyone. Mass Mutual has the opposite say, where they may feel that maybe the dividend might be a little bit less, but you're not, no one's being penalized by borrowing the money in and out. The reality is probably over the long run, those two are probably still very competitive when it comes to the overall return of each policy. If I earn a little less money in the dividend, but don't have any penalties when I take my loan out, that may actually equal where if I have a larger dividend, but take, but take a smaller hit on the dividends when I do take borrowings out. My guess is over the long run, they're probably pretty equal. But there is a certain gotcha. difference there. That's great. No, I really appreciate bringing the clarity on both sides of that. Um, so, so just to, to, to kind of recap a couple different things that you just shared, uh, I look at my own personal situation, my now bucket, uh, I have some whole life insurance in there. And recently my wife and I bought a new car and, uh, we actually bought it before we sold the current car that she had. And it's crazy story of all of this. We sold the current car that she had. And because everything is closed, the title, uh, the title office is closed. And so uh, the buyer doesn't want to give us the cash until we could transfer the title. We can't transfer the title because no business is open. So I have three cars sitting in my driveway. But the reality of all of that is we used and were able to borrow funds from a whole life policy to purchase the car. 
And then as soon as the transaction is complete, guess what I'm going to do with the proceeds? Go right back and pay off the loan on the whole life policy. Mm -hmm. And so that's that now bucket concept that we can be able to provide to our clients. And like you said earlier, yeah, I could have gone and taken out a bank loan, but I would have had to jump through all kinds of hoops. And instead of, you know, getting that, that interest credited to myself, I would have been paying interest to the bank. So that's one area the now bucket funding. Another area is I recently had a client, a pretty high net worth client. And over the last probably six years now, we've been putting a, a pretty decent premium into a whole life policy. And they're to the point now they have almost a million dollars in permanent cash value in their whole life contract. And during this whole economic downturn, they're a long ways away from retirement, needing the money. They really were positioning this as soon bucket money. And in their sense, they were looking at it as an opportunity fund. And so one of the things that they shared with me, they, they kind of knew they were putting money into this life insurance policy and they knew that it was going to be there. But, you know, clients sometimes don't think of the whole thing together. And as the market started to fall 30 or 40 percent, like it has in the last 30 days or so, they were like, man, I wish I just had some more cash to be able to put into the market during this downturn, because if they're thinking 5, 10, 15 years into the future, they know it's going to recover. And I was like, well, that's exactly why we set up your soon bucket with this cash value life insurance into it. And so to your point, if they take the money out at a 4% loan, for example, or 4.5% loan, all the market needs to do is outperform that 4, 4.5% for them to come out ahead of this whole deal. And their perspective is that over a five to 10 year time period, there's no doubt that they'll be able to earn a higher expected return in the market than what the loan rate is. Plus, you know, there's opportunity to still earn a, a dividend on the rest of the cash value that's in there. So talk about, you know, kind of that in the soon bucket as an opportunity bucket for maybe a younger client that's got that, you know, appetite for risk. Yeah, that's a great point. There's So we've all heard of the rainy day fund, right? And so a lot of times people use the cash value in emergencies. You know, I've done that many times where you maybe have an unexpected uh, tax hit that you didn't anticipate or maybe an unexpected uh, expense. But there's also what I call the, the sunny day fund, which is we have this bucket of money that's available to us. And when we see opportunities, whether it's the market, I have a lot of clients who do that with real estate, right? They may come into a real estate project that they want to be a participant in, and they're looking across their asset bases, trying to figure out, well, what do I sell to be able to get into this real estate? I don't want to sell necessarily some of my other assets that are productive. And so we'll take a look at the cash value as that leverage point where I could take the money out as a temporary loan, either buy into the markets, buy into real estate, buy into something that, that they think has a positive return to it. And then they could take advantage of, of that arbitrage, right? We were talking about as long as I feel the project is safe and can earn four and a half percent or better, then I can utilize those dollars as my funding source, as opposed to selling maybe a stock portfolio or something else that actually still is productive or maybe even has a tax hit to it that makes it very expensive to access those funds. So it, we know that opportunity is, is oftentimes found with people that have cash available because some of these opportunities don't exist. Uh, they don't come around every single day. And so even though we may all want to act on it, really only the people that have liquidity could take advantage of, of, the, of the downturns in markets or real estates or things that take advantage of like that. 
And the cash value is a perfect place. It's a perfect parking lot to have those dollars available to us because it will still earn a competitive return, but also be available to take advantage of opportunities down the road. So the old saying, cash is king, could also be applied to cash value is king, right? That's exactly, that's a good point. <laughs> the, the other thing that's interesting that I've done with clients that's creative is sometimes, you know, especially people coming out of college or, or medical school or some places where they have debt, is that we may take the cash value and pay off the higher interest debt uh, that we have. And we basically have taken the debt inside the life insurance policy. We still pay the same dollars, uh, potentially that we were paying in, in the other debt. So for example, if I have a credit card or a car loan or even student loan debts, if, they're, if, the, if those debt loads are more than 5%, then we can actually create a faster method of paying down that debt by using the life insurance cash value as, as ability to pay off that debt and then just pay ourselves back the interest payments uh, along the way. So there's lots and lots of creative ways that we can use the cash value in the, in the now or soon bucket. Absolutely. Well, let's flip a little bit in the soon bucket and talk about somebody approaching retirement. So, so Walter, somebody meets you 10 years before retirement or, you know, seven years before retirement, and you start to, you know, maybe divert some funds from going into the 401k to starting to fund this life insurance policy. Tell me about how that can then be applied to the distribution phase when they do decide to retire and really help provide overall kind of stability and reliability to their income stream in retirement? Yeah, that's a great question. We are kind of at an unprecedented time when it comes to retirement income planning. And what I mean by that is there's tremendous amount of support academically from, from, uh, uh, from the, the uh, professors at the American College of Financial Services, uh, who are beginning to, to output a lot of research as to how to optimize retirement income planning. And one of the things that we're finding is that the combination of markets and actual science gives us the highest potential efficiency uh, when it comes to distribution planning. And what that basically means is that if we use a market-only approach, we know that we are subject to the sequence of return risks that exist, right? We, I think we've all you know, been well drilled with the, the, the C2P methodology of what happens when there's, mark, when there's sequence of return risk. And so because of the sequence of return risk, if we use a market only strategy, we are often limited to a safe withdrawal rate, meaning what can I take out of a portfolio so that it doesn't run out of money after 30 or 35 years. And we could all you know, argue a little bit about what the safe withdrawal rate number is, you know, maybe call it 2.8 on the low end, maybe 3.5% on the high end. But what that's really telling us is that we have a limited amount of money to pull out of a portfolio, no matter what the returns are, be they good or bad, because we're trying to prevent running out of money. What's, what we understand is that when I begin to build cash value in a life insurance policy, if I use the cash value as a volatility buffer, meaning I have the ability to pull money out of the life insurance policy during negative years. What that translates into is the ability to take out more of a higher withdrawal rate in general during the positive market years. That safe withdrawal rate is there because I have to handle volatility from year to year. But if I have three, four, or five years built up in my cash value to be able to offset negative years, I can now begin to say I could take out maybe four, five, or 6% distribution rates from my market portfolio and still have the same level of risk of, of where I was at the three or three and a half percent. So as we begin to understand the cash value component of life insurance policy, it becomes very valuable to match up with the markets 
in terms of how distribution planning is going to happen. How can I move my client from a 3% distribution rate to a 6% distribution rate, maybe a 7% distribution rate with the same level of risk? Will I do that by pairing a market or a volatile asset with, an, with an, a volatility buffering asset, which now is being look, looked at as cash value in a life insurance policy? That's great. And, um, you know, Walter, something I stole from you, but uh, if you look at kind of the ups and downs of the market, you know, statistics show you that about 70% or so of all calendar years, the market finishes positive, And about 30% of all years, the market finishes negative. We certainly look like uh, 2020 might be on one of those negative years. But if you took somebody that was preparing for retirement, and let's say they're going to retire at age 60, and they're going to live till age 100. So they're going to have 40 years in retirement. Well, 30% of that is 12 years. That essentially means 12 years out of their 40-year retirement, they might experience, uh, experience a down market. And so I know even in my own financial plan, I want to have at least 12 to 15 years worth of retirement income in cash value in a life insurance policy so that when we do have that big down year, I can just pull out of there because it won't have lost value and essentially allow my, you know, my, my market-driven accounts, my 401ks and Roths and taxable accounts to all recover. And so I love kind of using that as at least an initial framework for deciding how much money should actually be funded into these policies if you're looking at using it kind of in that soon bucket to help supplement retirement income later on in life. Yeah, that's perfect. We have some software that helps model that with clients so we can see how many years do they feel comfortable in terms of buffering against those down markets. We know that any number of years is helpful because even if I don't have the full 12, if I can only get to six, seven, or eight, that I've still extended the life of my other assets far longer than they would have been, meaning I, will, I won't run out of money as fast. The other part that's interesting to remember is that money coming out of life insurance policy, if done correctly, is tax-free. So I won't need as many dollars coming out of the life insurance policy to replace the money that may be coming out from a taxable account. And so in terms of just total dollars in a life insurance policy, I may not need quite as much in the policy as I would outside the policy because I won't be taxed on those dollars that come out during those negative years. Absolutely. And so let's say that, you know, we uh, we're now age 100. Um, and, uh, and we've tapped into this strategy. We had a million dollars of death benefit on the life insurance, but over the course of time, we've now borrowed $650,000. So there's an, a loan essentially, because when we're in retirement, maybe we're not paying back that loan. Of course, maybe we are right. If, if having more death benefit is important, maybe we take market gain and repay the loan. But let's say hypothetically, we don't pay back that loan. And so we're 100 years old now, we have 650,000 in loan on a million dollar death benefit, and we pass away. What are the beneficiaries, the kids, the grandkids, you know, kind of how does that work? Yeah, so any unpaid loan simply goes against the death benefit, and it'll net out at the point in time. So in, in a weird way, we're borrowing against our death benefit along the way as we take these dollars out in retirement. And you're absolutely right. We want to manage the death benefit according to what our legacy goals are. 
if this is purely an income play, then you know we don't care about how much bar money we're borrowing because whatever's left over is left over. If we do have a dollar amount in mind, then as you mentioned, we may year to year or every few years try to make sure that we're paying back into the, the life insurance policy funds to be able to free up that, that death benefit again. Uh, so it's, it's a friendly tool in that I don't have to pay back the loan. Uh, and I have the ability for the insurance company to to cover that loan for me and then give my my heirs the net proceeds. Absolutely. So I think I, as I see life insurance is one of the most undermanaged asset classes out there. Mm -hmm. And this just shows the importance for advisors to be managing these policies with their clients. And so, Walter, again, awesome expertise and guidance. We spoke about repositioning cash, kind of that lazy money, not earning anything in the bank over to potentially a policy to create that now bucket, that family bank, if you will, uh, that people could borrow from. We talked about structuring a, a soon bucket in terms of using whole life insurance. And I love, uh, you know, we, we know the rainy day fund, but I love your analogy. I'm gonna start using it, the sunny day fund. I think that's awesome. And then the later bucket, you know, again, I have a whole life policy. I've, I have three of them, actually. I have one in my now, one in my soon, one in my later. And my later bucket money, you know, is, again, where I'm going to tap into, I'm 35 right now. And so when I am 65, imagine the cash value that'll be there um, for when I retire and to use as kind of that volatility buffer. So I appreciate you sharing all three of those. Any kind of closing insight in terms of um, kind of, you know, putting this whole thing together? And lastly, if, uh, if advisors are kind of newer to this space and they're listening and, you know, maybe they want to tap into you to do a joint case together or something like that. Is that something I know you're in Seattle? We're all in a virtual environment now. Is that something that, that you'd be able or willing to do? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I work with lots of advisors. Uh, and one of the things we do is we help educate the client as to what the retirement income strategies can be. We start with kind of their default position, which is what, where most people are, which is building money into, uh, into market accounts, you know, building a big balance sheet and then trying to figure out how will that spend as we get to retirement uh, and see what those levels look like. But then we also take a look at a handful of other approaches that require actuarial science. And we understand then by going through these models, how improved someone's retirement income will be because they use it. We see our, our net results typically are somewhere between 60 to 80% improvement in income streams because we combine actuarial science with markets. It's a significant difference. And I think in general for all the agents who are, uh, and advisors who are listening, this really is our blue ocean opportunity. Right? It's very hard to compete just on market returns out because we all are gonna say our returns are better than somebody else's. But when you can show someone a retirement income stream far superior backed by academic science, I think you're going to be in a much stronger position with your clients. That's great. Well, again, thanks for all the listeners to tuning in to the Bucket Plan On Demand. Again, special thanks to Walter continuing to help share and guide our advisors to more and more opportunities to improve the lives of their clients. And we look forward to speaking with everyone on the next episode. The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. 
To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit Clarity2Prosperity.com.